some of us didn't go to sleep last night, so. <laughs> well. <laughs> Let me give you the nugget this morning. We'll get started with that. We are rich only through what we give. We are rich only through what we give and poor only through what we refuse. That's and fine. poor only through what we refuse. Okay, one, put it all together. We are rich only through what we give and poor only through what we refuse. Hallelujah. have to think on that one a little bit to see what's going on. Okay, actually, uh, this is Memorial Weekend. Amen. Uh, memorial is defined as a reminder that invokes a memory. Memorial Day commemorates the honoring of our military men and women who have died in the service of our country. In John chapter 15, verse 13, it says, Greater love has no, no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. And that's what these men and women have done. Um, Billy Graham said, Courage is contagious. Courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. Okay. Okay. Again, we should... Uh, with gratitude, remember those who laid down their lives to protect our freedoms, especially the freedom of religion. Amen. America is unique in that this was the first nation that has freedom of religion. Religious tyranny or tyranny prevailed all over the globe prior to this. Gradually, some nations like England rose to religious tolerances. But only in America, we have full religious freedom granted. Amen. Okay, we're going to talk about America and its Well, America was reserved by God for the expression of bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? Um, and so God's hand, invisible hand of province has been on our country ever since. So I want to give you a little rundown of history, what has happened in our country. Thank you. Okay. For example, in Europe, this was our birthplace of America. Our forefathers came from Europe. Amen? Okay. That's how we got started. But in the year 711, the North African region of Arabs, who were fanatic Muslims, traveled across the sea, took over Spain, 
went into France, city by city, and devouring them all until they ran into the city of Taurus. And they were uh, defeated by Charles the Hammer Martel and his army. How this happened was that as the Muslims went through Spain, they were picking up all the gold and silver, you know, I mean, picking up the booty. And they would put it back and put it back further. And they would go on and go on. And all of a sudden, a rumor started. The enemy is behind you getting your goodies. So they, they started going back to get their, and, and when they started going back, they were getting picked off. And they were defeated because of it. Otherwise, today, you, ladies, you might be wearing burqas, and we have prayer shawls if they had won, because they would have took all of Europe. That would mean they took of England. And you, are you seeing where I'm going from? Okay. Or we could have had a Spanish form of religion which repressed the Bible, distorted the gospel, and defended religious tyranny with the Inquisition. The vast Spanish ar 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 armada was going to attack England, but was destroyed by a storm preventing the takeover. Olay. Now, going to England. The British, when they came to our, our, our country, um, developed in the colonies, one of the colonies was called New England. You know, I mean, you know, God save the king, New England. But up in Nova Scotia were the French. And they desired to have New England be New France. So out of, of uh, where is it? Where is Duke. Nova Scotia, the Duke of Dansville, with thousands of soldiers, sailed down to attack the, the British colony in England, New England. But a minister heard about the report of the invasion and began to pray earnestly. Here's where prayer comes in. Pretty soon the building began to shake where he was at. And a great wind came around. Sounds like Pentecost almost. Great wind came about. And the wind out went out to the sea and as the French ships came down. They couldn't find, it was getting bad. They couldn't find a harbor to get in, safety. And the great waves overtook the ships and sunk them. So we're not speaking French. Amen? Then in 1620, okay, that's when the pilgrims came to Plymouth. Uh, they, you know, that up there is pretty cold. Yeah. I've been back east. I've been back there, but you look at the weather reports, it's cold up there. Anyway, the, the pilgrims decided, this place is too cold. We are going south. So they got <laughs> in their ships, 
They started sailing south, but all of a sudden the winds came up. They couldn't fight the wind, so they went back to port and established at Plymouth. Now, here's, here's the wild thing. If they had landed anywhere else down the eastern uh, coast of America, they were savage Indians, quote, unquote. And if they would have landed there, they would have been wiped out. Now, why they stayed at Plymouth is two years prior to their settling there, the Indians in that area had a plague, and they all died off. And uh, they had uh, some food supplies, corn, and that's what kept the uh, pilgrims from dying out that winter. They, they had corn to help them through that winter. Fantastic, right? Hallelujah. Okay. Okay, again, on this Memorial Day, we, may, we, we should remember the invisible hand of God who brought this land to what it was founded, a nation whose God is Lord. Amen? Now, not only is this day Memorial Day weekend, but this day is special on God's calendar. She's already given it out. It's Pentecost. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, we can turn there if you want or wish to, or just listen. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning with verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. Love the Lord with all thy heart, soul, and mind. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So um, let's turn back to the book of Leviticus real quick. And we'll find out what took place there. Chapter 23 of Leviticus. That's chapter 23 of Leviticus. Well, let's start with verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, Concerning the feast of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. Six days ye shall work, six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest, a holy convocation. Ye shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of of the Lord in all your dwellings. Verse 4. These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. And then you're going to find out what, what they are. And we will, we've already gone through this uh, a year or two ago, I think. We're going to look at the, just give you a quick uh, synopsis of each one. Uh, the seven appointed feasts. Again, the feast, the feast of the Lord form a divine appointment calendar. This is a calendar. These feasts that God gave to the Jews, Israel, are on his calendar. So every time he sees the calendar, he sees a certain day and it's marked. Okay. And 
Okay. The Feast of the Lord form a divine appointment calendar with Jerusalem as its meeting place. If you look, when you read, remember reading, all these things took place. Everything, every, like men, three times a year had to go to, back to Jerusalem and so forth. So there's, there, it's very uh, pronounced. Okay. The first one is Passover, if you recall. This speaks of redemption. The Messiah and the Passover lamb. He has been slain for us. Glory to God. The second feast, which is a few days after, it's the unleavened bread, speaks of sanctification. Jesus was set apart. His body would not decay in the grave. When we take communion, we have what type of bread? Unleavened. Unleavened or matzah bread. And as, as we look at the pieces of bread we have in our hand or, or the big one, you have the stripes and bruises all over. And you can see this was the Lord's body, how it looked. Beaten, stripes all over it. And by his stripes we were healed. Glory to God. And then, after that, we have first fruits. This speaks of the resurrection. Three days later, Jesus rode triumphantly from the grave. Death could not hold him. So that's first fruits. He was the first of many brethren. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Then, Feast of Weeks, or as we just are on it today, Pentecost. Feast of Weeks is also known as Pentecost. Pentecost speaks of beginnings or new beginnings. The Messiah would send the Holy Spirit to inaugurate the New Testament covenant and the church age. That's the new beginning. At Pentecost, it was a new beginning. Something great happened. Hallelujah. You must must have read it already and just just know it all. All right. Um, The three, okay, let's see. Each, these four that we just spoke of, each of these events recall the Messiah's first coming occurring on the precise date of the appropriate Jewish calendar for holiday. So when it was Passover, Jesus was the lamb. Unleavened bread, he was sanctified. First fruit, he was first for resurrection. Pentecost, 50 days later. Speaks of new beginnings. Glory to God, hallelujah. Okay, the three remaining feasts that we're going to speak of real quickly have not yet been fulfilled. But we'll see what they mean. These, these predict with absolute certainty the events that will yet to be unfolded. Okay. These three feasts will be associated with the Lord's second coming. Are you ready? Trumpets. Da 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 da. You remember that? What's that sound like? Mm-hmm. Trumpets or Rosh Hashanah means the head of the year. Blowing of the trumpet starts a new year, and to reminder that uh, it's a day of Sabbath. It's a day of rest. It points to the future day when the Messiah returns to rescue the righteous. Glory to God. And judge the wicked. What would that be? What would happen between those that position there? 
Sounds like the rapture to me. And Rosh Hashanah for the, uh, in God's calendar for this year will be September 14th. September 14th. Okay, the next, the next one after Rosh Hashanah is called the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur. This is the most solemn day of the year. Uh, it is to afflict. Remember, we were supposed to af afflict our souls. Uh, they were devoted to fasting and, and uh, repenting of their sins. And if you remember, they took, uh, they took, a, they found a body of water, and they would take bread, regular bread, because that was sinful, and they would throw it into the water. Well, the washing of the word of the water cleanses you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Okay. This points to the future day when Israel repents of her sins and returns to the, to the Messiah for salvation. This occurs on September 22nd of this year. Uh, the Day of Atonement, I believe, you know, the Jews looking forward to it to, for the flourishing of it, but it's going to, I believe it's going to happen three years into the tribulation. tribulation figure because they accept the Antichrist, but in, within three years, they know he's wrong, and that's when they're going to turn to the Messiah. All of Israel. So that's, that's, that's what I feel. Three and a half years. About three and a half. Okay, yeah. Okay, then we have the very next one is Tabernacles or Sukkot. This is the most joyful festival of all Israel's feasts. They're having a wild time. It's party time. Glory to God. It points to the future day when the Messiah sets up his kingdom and the tabernacle. And tabernacles among us, or lives among us. Uh, that is, will be September 28th. And that, on that, that happens to be on September 28th is also when they, then we have the last blood moon, which is a super moon. It's bigger than, it appears bigger than the most at, at this time. It's the fourth one, and the next one won't, the next setting like this won't happen for another four or five hundred years, so we'll be there. We won't have to watch it. Okay. I'll be in Hawaii. <laughs> okay. Um, the tabernacles for the Jews will take place after the seven years of tribulation. That's when there's going to be rejoicing because Israel will be the one, number one nation in the world. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, going back to Pentecost, which you were, which you are today. Pentecost Sunday marks the day when the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles. Pentecost Sunday occurred 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. Pentecost comes 10 days after the ascension of Jesus. 
Pentecost is also known as the birth of the church. Pentecost is the fulfillment of two promises or prophecies. Joel 2.28, which says, I will pour my spirit upon all people. And what Jesus said in John chapter 16, verses 5 through 15, that he would send another counselor, comforter, the spirit of truth. And those were established. I want to read those. I think that's really powerful. Okay, let's go to John chapter 16. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Glory to God. I just think that's so powerful. We'll get with the other one in a moment. We're about done with this. You want me to read that? Or do you yeah, you go ahead and read it if, okay. you, if you're there already. Which version? Either one. That's John chapter <clears throat> 16, verses 5 through 15. <laughs> Excuse me. Okay. But now I am going to him who sent me. I'm reading out of the Amplified. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts, taken complete possession of them. However, I am telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable, good, expedient, advantageous for you that I go away, because if I do not go away, the Comforter, Counselor, Helper, Advocate, Intercessor, Strengthener, Standby, will not come to you into close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. And when he comes, he will convict and convince the world and bring demonstration to it about sin and about righteousness uprightness of heart and right standing with God and about judgment, about sin, because they do not believe in me, trust me, rely on or adhere to me, about righteousness, uprightness of the heart and right standing with God, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, about judgment, because the rural, evil genius, prince of the world, Satan, is judged and condemned and sentenced already, is passed upon him. So you need to realize that sentence is already passed upon Satan. It's already a, a sentence that's passed on him. So a lot of people are afraid of him or whatever. And I, there's always, you know, you just tell him, you know, your sentence is already passed on you. <laughs> you want to know where you're going? Um, I have still many things to say to you, but you are not able to bear them or take them upon you or to grasp them now but when he the spirit of truth the truth giving spirit comes he will guide you into all truth the whole truth full truth for he will not speak of his own message on his own authority but he will tell whatever he hears from the father he will give the message that has been given to me and he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future he will honor and glorify me because he will take of, receive, draw upon what is mine and reveal, declare, disclose, transmit to you. Everything that the Father has is mine. This is what I meant when I said that he, the Spirit, will take the things that, you, that are mine and will reveal, declare, disclose, transmit to you. Is that it? Amen. Yes. Glory yeah. to God. So that was, that's what 
Pentecost is all about. That's what this is. That's why we can really celebrate. We should really celebrate it. Amen. Amen. Okay, Pentecost is usually represented in the color red, which symbolizes the fire of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, since, you might go, since we're there, I might as well read it. Acts chapter 1 says, verse 8, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in, in all Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. God's Spirit... The Holy Spirit gives us life. The Spirit moves within us. He intercedes with us. He gives us wisdom and insight now and forevermore. Hallelujah. Today, today we affirm that God's Spirit is unhindered breaking down barriers, inspiring, illuminating, and giving life. God's Spirit provides wisdom when ours, our wisdom appears meager and guidance for the challenge, challenges we meet or have each day. Uh, Galatians 5.25 uh, says, If we live by the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Amen. And let's turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Beginning with the 7th verse. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and self same Spirit Divining to every man severally as he will. So glory to God. All you have to do is ask the Lord. Amen. I need this one this coming week. I need some wisdom. I need some counsel. I need some guidance. I need some boldness. He says he'll grant it. Amen. Okay, now I'm just going to go back to Pentecost or Shavuot as, as the Jews. For the Jews, it, it is believed that Moses received the Torah on Mount Sinai on Shavuot or this day, Pentecost. Uh, Shavuot marks 50 days after the first fruits. Or I'm just going to use Passover. Passover is cel uh, celebrated in Israel by reading the accounts of giving the law in the book of Exodus chapter 19 and 20. So that's what they read. That's what they are reading today um, in, the, in their synagogues. The book of Ruth is also read because it is a book of harvest and redemption. 
So you got a little insight there. Together, all these feasts outline the work of our Messiah from Calvary to his kingdom. So that's what that, okay? Hope you got some. That's a briefie on that. So it was, some of it was, uh, should have been some recall to you. <coughs> I thought some of the stuff was kind of interesting. Okay. Do uh, you have the other one ready? Go. This is one we, we, we stopped, stopped in the middle of last week. You, did you mark where we stopped? I marked I it. I'm glad you marked Hang it. Hang on. Hang on. When you find a wife, you find a good thing. Amen. Okay, there's a couple things I wanted to just um, add to this from last week. We said obedience leads to faithfulness. Um, another thing that was said last week was God's word is final authority in our hearts. So God's word has always got to be final authority in our hearts, no matter what. You know, no matter what voice you hear, it always comes down to God's word is final authority. So if you're getting something that, you know, well, you can do that and it doesn't line up with God's word, then, then you're hearing from another, another voice, okay? Even sometimes ourselves want something so bad that we can uh, conjure up and, and get these ideas that it's okay this time. But if it doesn't go along with God's word, then it's not, okay? And then um, a question that we were to ask ourselves is, what is motivating this decision? In other words, when we, um, I liked what Pastor said, a quality decision with God avoids future failures. The decisions we make today influence the rest of our lives. How many know that? And influence many people's lives around us. And that's one thing that we need to really take thought in. The decisions we make not only influence us, but those around us, okay? We cannot wait until the storm hits to make right decisions and build a strong house. If a decision is made without pressure and in the confidence of peace of God, it will hold fast in times of adversity. Bad decisions are generally those made on the spur of a moment. The wisdom of God will cause us to make, will not cause us. The wisdom of God will cause us to not make hasty decisions. You know, there's many times maybe someone will ask me something and I won't give them an answer. I'll say, let me go pray on this. I'm not going to just pop out some answer if I don't know that that's what God is saying in that situation, and I'll go home and pray and study the scripture and see what the Lord is saying, okay? And I'll ask them to do the same because I believe that God will show you the same thing, okay? Quality decision was in Daniel 6. He had an excellent spirit and godly character were Daniel's traits. An excellent spirit and godly character. That's something that we all need. Daniel was persecuted because he walked with God. He never wavered from the decision he had made. He was not about to change. When we've made a decision, don't waver from it. You know, when you start to feel yourself wavering from something you know is right with God, jump back and go back to the place 
I always tell people, remember what God told you. He's not going to change what he told you. And a lot of people think, we'll say, we'll say, well, God told me to do such and such, or I can't do such and such. And then later on down the line, they can, and their life starts going, taking a very slow, and I'm telling you, it can be a slow, very slow, over many, many years before it hits. And then all of a sudden, you found yourself where the interest you once had in the things of God just isn't there. I mean, the enemy is more than willing to take many years to bring this thing and cause this thing to happen. People don't understand that. That's why, you know, I remember a minister one time that had a huge church and the church was growing and he was having an affair. Well, he thought it must not be wrong because if it was wrong, then, then the gifts of the Spirit and the signs and wonders would not be happening in my service. Well, that was not, had nothing to do with him. That had to do with the faith of the people. So the enemy had him tied up in this stupid belief, but it took years for, you know, from the time he started thinking it was okay and the enemy wearing on, on him in these things. He later told it. You know, he spoke it out. He says, I'm going to tell you how I blew it and I missed it. But sometimes it'll take years you know, I've found that a person might, as a child, look at pornography. And, you know, there have been ministers that have later on been well-known ministers. And all of a sudden, they fall. And people wonder, well, what happened? And I think of one, I'm not going to name the name, that said he and his cousins looked at pornography as little children. That never left him. He was constantly harassed from it and ended up falling twice. Almost ruined his ministry. He, had to, he really repented and turned it around. But the enemy will wait as long as it takes for the right time to cause destruction on not just the person, but on those that, that know them and have been ministered by them and through them. And so we need to realize, so Daniel... He was persecuted because of his walk with God, but he never wavered from the decision that he had made, and he was not about to change. Like I said, um, I think it was a couple Sundays ago, that thing that you have fallen to, or is maybe in your family that has fallen, know that from, from the day you were born till the day you either die or get raptured out of here, that thing will try to come around and persuade you to follow it, okay? So this is where we started, okay? Okay, now turn to, in the book of Psalms, chapter 15. Again, he never, speaking then, he never wavered from the decision he had made. He was not about to change. So we'll see what David said about it. You ready? That Psalms 15, looking at verse 4, and it's the very last part of it. He that swears to his own hurt and changes not. Wow. I'll read the whole thing. 
in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honors them that fear the Lord. He that swears to his own hurt and changes not. You know, a lot of people, <laughs> they make a promise to somebody and they don't keep it. What's this saying? You have to swear to your own hurt. You need to do follow through on what you said. Just because something more lucrative or more <laughs> relaxing or more, you know, compelling to you comes up and you already have an appointment oh you can you know just tell just tell me tell me you're sick and you can come with me or you know that type of thing uh, that's not the way it works it'll get you, you it'll bite you bad down the line let me tell you he that swears to his own hurt and change this is what Daniel did he swore to his own hurt I'm not about to change. This is what I told God I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it. When you don't swear to your own hurt, you find yourself in a, in a place of deception. Wavering and, all the time. You know, I heard, an, I heard an evangelist talk one time about he was offered a meeting, and it was in a small church. And then he, he, he said, yes, I'll be there in a huge church. He'd been waiting for this big thing to take place. They offered him a meeting on the same day. And thank God he, was, he swore to his hurt. He said, I swore to my hurt. And I went to the smaller church. He said, he, he actually told him, if you want me, I can come later, but I can't come now. And I believe they did have him later. But, you know, your flesh many times wants to go ahead and do the thing that sounds like more fun, you know, but it's not going to it's not going to help you I'll be honest with you okay ready for 3 <laughs> decisiveness decisiveness is putting forth all energies to complete the decision decisiveness is not a once in a lifetime experience it's a daily exercise with god our character should be constantly strengthened in order to conform to God's image. So we need to be happy, decisive on things. This requires single-mindedness, a quality decision, and utter devotion to the proper course of action. A decisive believer recognizes that the ways of God require him or her to devote time, all of his, devote all of his energies to pursue the will of God, this decision will influence the course of your action. Influence and direct the course of the action. Okay. I mean, you have to be there for the long haul. You have to make your mind up that this is where God's called me. And I'm here for the long haul, no matter what, no matter what it looks like, no matter what I'd really like to do. You know, there's, there's, I, I'm going to be honest, there's been times when it would look really like a lot more fun to just go and retire somewhere. I'm going to be honest. There, but God said, no, 
And I called you back here. I told you to come back. Your work's not done, and I am not released you from this. And I don't think he will. <laughs> There's times when I've wanted to go beg him, but I know better. But you have to decide. You know, when we get when when heaven when we get there. Everything we've ever desired in our life is going to be there. I mean, it's more beautiful. I mean, you're not going to have to deal with a bunch of stuff. Nothing. It's, it's, it's going to be perfect. And we need to press on to the mark of high calling and know, look straight forward. Do not look to the left and the right and say, I am committed and I'm not getting off what I gave my word that I'm going to do to you, with you, God. People, ex you know, it's interesting. I had someone talk to me. People expect that of ministers, but they don't expect that of themselves. It was a minister's wife a while back that um, was, I was counseling, and she said, you know, it's interesting. People think it's okay for them to do it, but it's not for us. And I said, you just have to, you have to take, you have to, the course that God has given you, you cannot, you can't look at other people. You've got to follow that course no matter what. You've got to look to Jesus, the author and the finisher, no matter what. And so it helped her. But this, this is a biggie because decisiveness is not a once-in-a-lifetime experience. This is a daily exercise with God. Our character should be constantly strengthened in order to conform to God's image. Constantly strengthened. Every day we have a choice and we need to do it God's way. And then every time we do, we're strengthened. Our character is strengthened. We're built up. So a decisive believer recognizes the ways of God require him and her to devote all of their energy to pursue the will of God. We are required, we are required, I really believe this, that to devote all of our energy to pursue the will of God, this decision will influence, direct the course of action and influence many people. Many people. Ruth chapter 1 through 4. You know, that's one of my favorite books. It's because I see what God... <laughs> that's the book of Ruth, all four chapters. <laughs> yeah, but let's look at... You must have one that you're thinking about here. You go ahead and teach and I'll find it. She, she devoted all her energies to the proper courses. After the death of her husband, she made a quality decision to learn more about the Lord God and was determined to go, with, go to Bethlehem with her mother-in-law, Naomi, okay? The easiest decision would have to go, go back home to her mom and her dad and stay in her native country, just like uh, her other sister-in-law. Her other sister-in-law said, I will go back to my family. Um, you, you, know, you need to do the same. She, she said, no. Her decision motivated her day after day, day to do the right thing. She overcame tremendous opposition to obey the Lord. <laughs> the result was God moving on her behalf. Her character trait of decisiveness ultimately brought much joy to her heart. She married Boaz. 
The richest guy in town. <laughs> Just the fact, you know, most women don't like their mother-in-laws or there's a problem there. She completely submitted to her mother-in-law in a lot of things that women of today would have said, you gotta be kidding. But she did it. Just, she had a servant's heart and God blessed her for it. I mean, when you look at her, her, her life to me, just um, when her mother-in-law told her to go lay by him, remember that? Remember there was another relative that really was in line for her and he didn't want her? Just the embarrassment of all that, the stuff that she went through. But she was obedient. She just kept staying obedient and doing what, what was expected of her. And, and God, Jesus was what was out. She was part of the lineage of Jesus because of who she married. And God what, has your life planned. And what attracted Boaz to Ruth? Her obedience, I'm sure. He appreciate, appreciated her godlike character her ways. Thus she became, she became and was in the lineage of our Lord Jesus Christ. In, you know, in, in chapter 3, Naomi says to her, um, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to Ruth, my daughter, this is 3.1, shall I not seek rest or a home for you that you may prosper? And now is not Boaz who, with whose maidens you were our relative? So the mother-in-law had it really rough and she said, I'm, I am going to seek the best for you. She spoke it out and God had his best. And when you look at Naomi, the things she spoke about herself before that, God mightily moved. When you, I mean, we, we get so caught up in daily stuff and don't realize that God has a plan out there and it's a perfect plan and he's going to shoot us through and see us through clear to the end if we'll allow him to. And if we don't get out of his will and try to force things to happen. You know, you cannot force something to happen. Trust me, I've tried it. You've got to go with God's timing. And a lot of people will get upset with you. Well, why don't you do this? Why don't you? Because God didn't tell me to. It's that simple. Go ahead, sweetheart. Okay, next one. Number four, decisiveness enables one to avail, evaluate the right course of action quickly and accurately. One character quality often found in leaders is the ability to correctly assess a situation and make a decision quickly and accurately. One cannot afford to procrastinate or pretend a problem does not exist. Situations arise that demand immediate action. When godly character is developed in the life of a believer, decisiveness will enable him or her to apply the word of God and wisdom to the pressing situation or problem. All through our lives, we must take or make 
daily decisions. We don't wait for manana to come. Can I share a little bit? Go. Okay. One of the things that he said here, one cannot afford to procrastinate. If you are a leader or a manager or whatever at your work, you are going to have places where you're going to have to ha make a quick decision accurately. God already sees the situation. He already knows what's going on. And he, he's saying, go for it. But if, if procrastination, if you have a problem in that area, that thing will bite you in the behind every time until you deal with that. And I'm not, I'm being serious here. It will, you know, if, if, if you are the type of personality that waits until the last minute and then you get frustrated and you're rushing, God is saying, turn that thing around now so he can honor you and push you forward in the place that he desires you to be. And a lot of people deal with that, and um, we all do in some areas. And then it's like, well, the problem doesn't exist. Yeah, the problem exists, and you've been put in authority over that situation. I'm talking to parents, too. You cannot procrastinate with your kids. Every day they get older. Every day they develop habits. So we need to be a people that does not procrastinate because when God says move it, we're going to be moving it. Let's start. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's fine. What starts your day <laughs> is speaking to the Lord because that's how Jesus did it. He spoke to the Father. And the Father said, be aware, something's going to take place. And Jesus was prepared. He was, that made him decisive in his thinking. He said, oh, Lord, i got to pray. Uh, no, that's a little bit too late. But he says he often went up to pray alone at night. And then the next day, he's out there, and all of a sudden, a problem arises. And he solves it. Why? Because he's, he, he got information, inside information. You and I can have the same side type of information channeled to us as we minister to the Lord in the morning before we go out. Uh-oh. Well, toes are run over. Jesus stayed up all night many times praying, but procrastination will cause you to, when situations that arise and demand attention, you won't be able to deal with it you will find it overwhelming to you. And when godly character is developed in the life of a believer, decisiveness will enable him to apply the word of God and wisdom to the pressing situation or problem. All through our lives, we must daily make decisions. Godly care, this is where, if you can get rid of, and I'm gonna look procrastination up and I'm gonna read it to us all. Godly character will refuse to compromise godly conviction reflected in the decisions of life. And I, why don't you read Proverbs 8.34 while I go here. She's going to look up procrastination, but with the godly character will refuse to compromise godly conviction reflected in decisions of life. If you'll turn with me to the Proverbs chapter 8. That's Proverbs chapter 8. And looking at verse 34. That's 
34. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. For whosoever finds me findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. That's what you need. So we need to come alive to it. Get, get the word working in us. Amen. Okay, she's going to... You find procrastination yet? I've got to line up that week and make sure everything is going to fit in that week at that time because I usually when I do a heavy week of counseling, they're like one right after another. And so we need to realize that things can come in. And so we have to be ahead of the, step, ahead of the thing. You all understand what I'm saying? You know it's due. You know it's coming. You know it's there. You've got to be a step ahead of it. Because there is always something that's going to come in and try to steal and rob your time. That's just the way the enemy is. That's just human life. And so um, we just have to switch things around and make a quality decision. You know, you can't wait. Because many times when we wait, our spot isn't there. Did you do Nehemiah? Nope. Okay. Turn to the book of Nehemiah. You'll find him after Ezra. I have a procrastination song, but I won't sing it to you. <laughs> That's Nehemiah. We'll go to chapter 2, looking at verse 5. And he said unto the king, If it please the king... And if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldst send me unto Judah, Judea, Judah, pardon me, and unto the city of my father's sepulcher, that I may build it. Here, here he eats. He's found out what's going on, and he wants to go there. He's, he's not putting it off. He's, he's going to the top man here to get it done. Verses 12. Go down to verse 12. And I arose at night, and some of the few men with me, neither told I any man that what God, my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night, by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, and to the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down. The gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I, went to, uh, then I went on to the gate of the fountain and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then I went up in the night by the brook 
and viewed all the wall and turned back and entered the gate of the valley and so returned. What did he do? He checked it out. He wasn't, and when did he go out? By <laughs> night. He wasn't going to wait for day, next day. Something it was pressing. He went, he went out after it right away. Uh-oh. Can I read one more? Cool. You got Verse 18. Okay. Then I told them, of the, you notice he didn't tell anybody what he was going to do. That's where a lot of people blow it. They tell people what they're going to do, and then the enemy gets in there and screws it all up, okay? Or people do. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was upon me for good, and also the words of the king had spoken to me, and they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. But when Sanibal, the... Honanite and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite and the Geshem, the Arab, heard of it. They laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? I answered them, The God of heaven will prosper us. Therefore, we, have, we his servants will rise and build, but you have no portion of right or memorial in Jerusalem. See, he had to do this all alone himself and get it prepared. And then they were able to go do it. This is the biggest problem. Most people want others to gather in with them and help. And the others that gather in, there's always going to be many decisions and it's going like this constantly. If you're the leader, you need to hear from God on how to lead this thing. Have you ever had a bunch of people and they're just wrestling against you constantly? You know why? Because you told them what you're going to do. If God tells you to do something, go prepare and do it. And then bring the people. Okie dokie. Okay, chapter 4. Still in Jeremiah. Wow. We're almost done. Chapter 4. Of Jeremiah, looking at verse 13 and 14. Therefore I set in the lower places behind the wall and the higher places. I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and the rest of the people, Be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord which is great and terrible and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. He's got a plan. Can you do it the Amplified? Can I do the Amplified? Okay, read from the Amplified, verse 13. I looked them over and rose up and said to the nobles and the officials and the other people, Do not be afraid of the enemy. Earnestly remember the Lord and imprint him on your minds, great and terrible, and take from him courage to fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Hallelujah. And one more in Nehemiah chapter 5. The amplifies is not clear on this one. And we will look at verse 7. Uh, from the King James verse. Then I consulted with myself, and I rebuked the nobles and the rulers, and said unto them, Ye exact usury, every one of, of his brothers, and I set a great assembly against them. From the Amplified it reads, And I thought it over and rebuked the nobles and officials and told them, You are extracting interest from your own kinsmen, and 
I held a great assembly against them. It gets better. Whoa. He said, I said to them, we according to our ability have brought back our Jewish brethren who were sold to the nations, but you will even sell your brethren and they may be sold to us, but they were silent and found not a word to say. Hallelujah. Nehemiah made clear-cut decisions with the absence of fear. Nehemiah made clear-cut decisions with the absence of fear. He was not afraid to make a decision. He was not afraid of the enemy. He was not afraid of the righteous system of the day. Religious system of the day, I'm sorry. It takes courage to step out on God's word and make a decision. It is time we make clear, accurate decisions for every area of our life. Decisiveness is a character trait of our Lord Jesus. He pressed on to obey Father God. He did not deviate from his course of action. He trained his flesh to reflect the character of God. He trained his flesh to reflect the character of God. You know, he came as a man. He didn't come as God. He came as a man. And, and as I was thinking the other day, Pastor and I were talking, and I said, you know, every temptation known unto man, he was tempted with, and he did not yield to it. How? He was constantly in contact with God. He knew that he was going to have to be in prayer, in the Word, in constant contact with God, and fight that course and push it through, no matter what, without sinning once. He, he paved the road for us, church. The Bible says we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Does anybody need prayer? Okay, let's all stand. Fight the good fight of faith. Get rid of all procrastination. I got a few I need to deal with. This is the day the Lord has made. We need to rejoice. Today's Memorial Day, and also, anybody? Pentecost. So after I pray, Heather's going to put a song if you want to hear, hear it. It's a four-minute song. You can. You can step out. You can hear it in the lobby. Father, we're praising you. We just give you thanks that on the day of Pentecost, Father, God, you sent the Holy Spirit our counselor, our guide, our comforter. We praise you for it. We praise you for him. Thank you, Lord, that he's ever with us and we can speak to him and gather, Father God, right thoughts, meditate upon them and grow up in them. We ask now, Lord, that you 
grant us a great and mighty day, Father God. One that's enjoyable, Father God, as we rejoice in who we are and what we're able to do with the Holy Spirit. And everyone said, Amen.